0: onto something that actually matters. James chapter two. I told you we'd make it out of chapter one eventually, right? Yay. Um, it's, it's, using the phrase, it's all downhill from here is probably not advisable when talking through a Bible book. But as far as our pacing and how quickly we'll go through this, it is all downhill from here for the simple reason that the, uh, the chunks of information are a little bit larger and we can deal with them in big pieces. This is an example. So Chapter 1 lays down that foundation, who you are, why you are, and why does that matter. Now we want to build out upon that. We want to, again, what I talked about last week, putting flesh on your faith. How do you live in the world from a Christian perspective? So the first attack that James is going to deal with is a good one. We're going to deal with hypocrisy, which is always fun because, let's be honest, isn't hypocrisy like a top five complaint for people about church? Like, I would never go to a church. It's full of hypocrites. Now, you know what the answer to that is, right? There's always room for one more. <laughs> so somebody goes, "You, I would never go to church. It's full of hypocrites. You'll fit right in. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a nice little backhanded compliment. It works. So... Why does this matter? Well, because again, Christian, what are we attempting to do? We are attempting to follow after Christ. We are following the teaching of James as it leads us in godliness in Christ. Which means we actually should look, because we are different in Christ, what should be different about us? The way we live compared to the way we used to live in compared to the way that the world lives. If it's not, then the problem does not lie with them, the problem lies with us. I mean, you can't be like, how dare you try to live like us? That's kind of the goal, isn't it? Is to get them to realize that this is actually the better way, but it's only attainable and sustainable by what? Changing who you are at your core by surrendering to God, repenting of sin, and trusting in his grace and mercy to carry you forward. Always remember that. Always remember that it is the gospel message that underlies all of what James is teaching. I will try to remind us as we go through, but if I fall into the trap, throw something at me to make sure we get out of it. If you forget the gospel, by grace you have been saved through faith, then what James is teaching will be very, very difficult. If, however, you remember the gospel, well, then we are going to be in good shape. Ready to dive in? All right, verse 1. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. Oh, Let's ask the dumb question of the day. You ready? Why not? I mean, let's be honest. Don't you want to play favorites? You, you did this with your kids. Be honest. You had a favorite child. If you're like me, you tell them which one it is on a regular basis. If you're curious... Hang on, you you want to have some fun real quick? Connor, who's the number one child? (laughs) Andre, the dog. The dog is number one child. (laughs) They're just jockeying for second place. (laughs) And yes, they know I'm kidding. At least I hope they know I'm kidding. If not, you know I'm kidding. (laughs) Now, why can't we play favorites in Christ? Well, there's a good reason, and it's expanded on in other places. Galatians chapter 3. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free man, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise." Paul expands on that in other places, Colossians 3. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and you have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. What made you so special that God saved you? And the answer is nothing. What made me so special that God saved me? And the answer is nothing. Not the first thing. We are all equally worthless in our sin. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Which means we are all equally glorified in the grace and mercy that is to come. We don't celebrate that. oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I get to do this job and you have to do that job. No, no, no. What are the what's the point? 1 Corinthians 12. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. Varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all purposes, all, in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, you are who you are in Christ, for the benefit of God's people. Do you ever think about your life like that? Your warts, your flaws. See, Vern gets to tell people to get off his lawn unto the glory of God. (laughs) Now, you ready for an actual real-world example? You need some sarcasm and sullenness in your life if you don't have it. And I'm serious, because if you don't have a little bit of jadedness in your past you're a little bit gullible. Doesn't make you a bad person, it just is what it is. You're gonna end up like my kids. We, I had this conversation with Jada the other day. Are, are we naive? She actually asked me that and I'm like, you've been insulted. <laughs> and I'm like, in some things, is that bad? No, you're sheltered, that's a good thing. You don't wanna grow up like I grew up where I wasn't sheltered from anything. You, you wanna deal with things at the right time. Now, that means she will have a different upbringing from kids who aren't as naive and who aren't as sheltered. That's neither good nor bad. It is different. You need a person who's a little bit jaded in your church. Why? Because you need someone who assumes that people are jerks and out to get you. Because it makes you stop and think and evaluate. You also need people who think the best of others because if you have nothing but sullen, jaded people like me, you know what we end up doing? (laughs) Nothing. I'm not helping them. They don't deserve that. Okay, you're right. You're right. That was dumb. My mistake. Okay. You need a give and take based on the life that you have. In other words, you have been brought into the kingdom of God by God for the benefit of his kingdom. What is his kingdom made of? the people that he is redeeming and saving. You need all of these things. This is why the spiritual gifts are not, you know, the same list everywhere. But it's praying and giving and serving and administrating and comforting and encouraging and teaching. Because you need all of these things to come together. One isn't better than another, it's just different. It just is what it is. And when exercised unto the glory of God by the person who has received it, then it is done in accordance with what God has given. I've talked about this before. You are gifted for service in the kingdom. You, how you are, who you are, don't be someone else unless that someone else is Christ. But when you try to be another human being, you are undoing the work that God has done in redeeming and bringing you to the place that you are. Now, if that person you're trying to be is Christ, then keep going. This is why I don't feel so bad about my bad jokes and my silliness on occasion, because it's who God has made me and how I think through stuff. You should think bad about yourselves because you actually enjoy it. (laughs) See, that says more about you than it does me. But at the same token, I've also said this before, that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. That's why some people aren't here. And that's okay. Me trying to be somebody else to appease them would annoy you, who actually enjoys me for me. What's wrong with you people? (laughs) people. Exactly. Where shall we start? How how long you got? At the same time, I do what I do the way that I do because of who I am in Christ. Do I want to soften the rough edges? Yes. But do I want to do that to the point that I'm no longer me in Christ? No. Because now I'm living for who? I'm living for me or the world or that person over there so that they will think well of me. No, no, no. no. I live unto the glory of God and God alone. That's the difference. Always remember that this is your starting point in Christ. This is why We don't play favorites because you're not better because you're not good. But you are only good as you are in Christ. And when you are good in Christ, you are not better. You are simply forgiven. Now, if you find an identity in anything other than Christ and you find a forgiveness in anything other than Christ, you have found neither identity nor forgiveness. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Why can Paul say that in Galatians? Because he's been changed. Heart of stone removed. Heart of flesh implanted. Always, always, always. Two times on the same verse. Oh, this is going to be a morning. Always remember, none of this is attainable or makes any sense in your power. None of this is attainable or makes any sense in my power. It only makes sense and is attainable in Christ's power. The starting point for everything in life is grace and mercy from God by repentance and faith, the changing work of Christ. Anything outside of that is you striving, you accomplishing. (laughs) What do bad people accomplish? I, I told you this before, um, I don't listen to it as often as I used to, but there's a, uh, there's a political show that used to have a great description for politics. and it, it, it distills it down so well. Here's politics, you ready? Bad people doing bad things to other bad people badly. <laughs> <laughs> that everything makes sense, it is all so clear. But that's the world that you live in. When you strive to be better, you have forgotten the power. You have unplugged. You, you, you're not getting anything done anymore. All of this starts with an identity that I do this by the grace of Christ because of who I am in Christ. I live for Christ because he has died for me. If he has not died for me, I cannot live for him. I'm living for something else. This is why you're always evaluating your heart and why when you interact with the unbelievers in your life, you are always to be carrying the message of the gospel because it is power unto salvation. It is not power to change your life. It is power to change you. And then the life changes. So let's, get, let's see James's example. So, don't play favorites. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes. All right, time out. I'm going to pause real quick. These two men are different, right? I mean, let's be honest. If you're looking at them, you would look at them and go, they are not the same person. They are not in the same station of life. They don't have the same occupation. They don't dress the same. They are different. Not by degree, but by appearance. Is that difference a problem? No. What's the problem? Verse 3. And you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there, sit down by my footstool. The problem isn't the two men. The problem is... Yeah, you, you, me, the way we have reacted to them. We have made a distinction by degree. We have decided that your nice clothes means you are... You're, you're nice. You're better. You're clean. You're, you can sit over here. You. We have forgotten our starting point. Where are we? What are we? We are all equally bad at the foot of the cross. And then in Christ, we are all equally good. Forget that. Let the world's distinctions start to change things. Remember that, and what do the world's distinctions matter? Not even a little bit. Have you, verse 4, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? And the answer to that question is yes. Yes, you have. This is a rhetorical question. James knows the answer. You know the answer. James knows that you know that he knows that you know the answer. And I think I'm very confused now, so we will stop there. So, Christian. In your sanctification, what is your goal? Who's the one person you want to be like when you grow up? You want to be like Christ. You want to be like Jesus, okay? Romans 8. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. This is the work. Ephesians 4, what does that look like? As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Don't ask me why I just turned into Johnny Depp right there. We watched one Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and I'm doing the Johnny Depp run. Don't ask me what that just was. Oh, my goodness. I, 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 I did. I did it the first time. I don't know why I did it the first time, but I did. <laughs> uh, Gotta love it. Yeah, really. Well, the second one was intentional. The first one was something else. Um, all aspects. Grow up into all aspects in Christ. What does that mean? How much of your life does that encompass? All. The way you live, the way you think, the way you evaluate how your relationships work are all supposed to be brought into submission to Christ. Which means, you ready for it, Christian? How does God judge? He does, I mean, he does justly, but when he looks at the person, what is he looking at? See, there it is. 1 Samuel 16. This is a great example of this. 1 right, Samuel 16 is before 1 Samuel... No, it's after 15. It's before 17. All right, Anybody know what 1 Samuel 17 is? It's <laughs> so David and Goliath. We're picking a new king in 16 because Saul has been you know, taken down. Now, what was Saul's distinguishing factor? What made Saul unique? is tall. A, a head taller than everybody else. If you were going to pick a king to go fight your battles, who would you have picked? We want the big guy. Go pick up the big guy. We want that dude. Yeah, send him in there. The, we're all we're all 5'5". Five, five. Send in the guy who's 6'5". Yeah, send that guy. That's what we want. We want that guy. How'd that work out for Israel? Saul was not a good guy, right? Because for all the outward appearance, he's got everything according to the world standard, but nothing according to God's standard. You know how quickly we learn that lesson? we don't. First Samuel 16. When they entered, remember Samuel's been sent to anoint a new king. We know who it's going to be because we've read the rest of the book, but Samuel doesn't. He looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Firstborn son, strapping young man, big, tall, good-looking. That's got to be him. Didn't we just play this game? And how did it end? But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When we look at the outward appearance, we have looked how deep? (laughs) Not very. And yet we have made how many decisions and how many determinations based on one simple little thing. Well, and that's well, when it comes to books sometimes you can, but you can't judge people that way. You don't know anything about a person based on how they look. My goodness, I'm, how many times have you made like that weird Walmart run where you're like, I hope I don't see anyone I know. And you know what happens every time you do that? Like, you know, you didn't you didn't comb your hair, you think you brushed your teeth that morning, you're wearing the sweatpants that have pizza stains from 3 days ago. And you know who you're going to run into at in the store, don't you? Everyone you know. Everyone you know. And you're like, don't tell people I live like this. (laughs) Why? Because we care what they think. Because we make that determination. Christian, should we? No. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Did you notice the qualifier? Even there, God is judging according to the heart. The problem isn't even necessarily that you looked at the two people and made a distinction. The problem is that you made a distinction about who they were. You decided that the guy with the money is obviously better. Why? He just looks nicer. So he must be a better person. That's terrible. I'm so tempted to pick on somebody right now, and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to behave myself, I'm going to behave myself, I'm going to behave myself. Now, does James come up with this in a vacuum? Does the book of James, the first place we ever see this, don't make distinctions and become judges with evil motives. No, he's telling you to guard your heart and to use a righteous standard. Where would he get such an idea? What's the Sunday school answer? Jesus, Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Everybody knows that verse. Nobody reads past it. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure it will be measured to you. See, if you're in the world, that's a beating. That's, that's like a rubber hose smacking you continually, because this is what the world's judgment looks like. We take the most superficial thing about you we can find, and we do what? We make 27 determinations about you based on that one thing. Christian? Ooh behave in christ you want the same standard you use against the world to be used against you because christian what's your standard christ is my standard you're all terrible oh yeah well you're no good either i know isn't that awesome (laughs) we don't talk like this because we don't think like this You're a bad person, too. I know, and he saved me anyway. Isn't that cool? He can save you, too, if you would repent of your sins and trust in his grace and mercy and love. Look at that. Right? We're done here. Of course I'm terrible. There are only terrible people. That's why Christ came. See, this is the standard we carry out into the world. When they try to use it on us, all they're doing is saying, we're being consistent. In other words, we've just taken hypocrisy and kicked it where? Yeah, left foot of fellowship. There you go. You're out. No more hypocrisy because we're being honest. Why? Because we're standing in the truth of Scripture and standing upon the realities of the gospel, not just in your life, but in mine too. And wherever we find sin, we root it out. This is what Paul reminds you. Um, Ephesians 5, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but expose them. Cast them into the light. Because all that is done in the darkness will be exposed to the light. God's already seen it. God already knows. He's going to judge all that sin at the end anyway. So what should you do when you find it? Kill it. Kill it Kill it with fire. See, fire is such a good cleansing agent for your sin because it has a double whammy. First of all, it shows that it puts it into the light. And second of all, what's left? And we're done here. So James continues with his exhortation. Listen, my beloved brethren. I like how he keeps coming back to that. Second time you've been called brethren, right? Reminder, who are you? You're Christ's. Why? Because of his work. What does that mean? That we are different from the world, which means we should be walking different. If you can't remember the brethren part, the rest of it doesn't make sense. So listen, my beloved brethren. Did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? That is the nicest backhanded compliment anyone has ever given ever. Like usually a backhanded compliment is a little bit more open than that. I mean, isn't that James just saying, hey, look, weren't you guys all terrible? (laughs) Weren't you all broken and poor and wretched and blind and miserable and saved by God? I mean, he's not alone in this. Paul's going to expand on the same idea. Where is the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block to Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We've talked about this before. All right. I have a different teacher in the room. I won't pick on you though. (laughs) I did. They bludgeoned me to death when I was getting a degree in education. Do you know what the least effective communication uh, mode is? Lecture. This is the one thing we should never do. The one thing you should never do is talk for more than a few minutes on any one topic. Because the attention span of the average American at best is like eight minutes at this point. And I think TikTok is shortening that by the second. (laughs) You don't believe me? How many radio stations do you have on your preset? And how often do you get through all of them? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, be in the car for 20 minutes. How many radio stations do you go through, honestly? Because you're like, eh, that's terrible. Eh, that's, terrible. Eh, that's terrible. that's terrible. That's terrible. It's even worse now because if you got a newer car, they've got the little control in the steering wheel, so you're like, no, no, no. Oh, no, who even said that one? Ye. It's how our brains work. This is how we think. Yet, how has the gospel spread for 2,000 years? People like me doing stuff like this. Expounding on the word of God. This is how discipleship has been done for 2,000 years. The least effective means of communication according to the world is the means by which God has chosen. And not just that, the constant holding to the core of the message. Notice the more we try to add stuff, the more we try to explain this and justify that, the less we actually accomplish with the gospel. Why do you think that is? And look, I like apologetics. It's fun. It's, ah, Cameron will vouch for this. I will argue just because there's an argument to be had. (laughs) I debate. I was was voted in my high school most likely to become a lawyer. Because I used to have debates with my teachers about school rules and win. I will argue just for the fun of it apologetics can be great for that because I get to pick sides and draw up our battles and you got your evidence and I get to undercut your evidence and I get to give you mine and we get to talk about history and science and archaeology and all this fun stuff and it's like doesn't change anybody's heart doesn't doesn't renew anybody's soul doesn't ground anybody in the truth of scripture just picks a big fight most of the time in order to win the argument I have to win what who you are how do I do that message of the cross apologetics at its core is not meant for the world it's meant for you it's meant to shore up your faith. it's meant to it's meant to strengthen your heart and mind we use it as a weapon out there that's christian that's what's our weapon what go run through your armor of god what's your weapon the word because the word is about who Christ, and Christ is who saves, and Christ is whom with, with whom we must deal. It is he who will rule at the end of the age. It is he who is ruling now. It is he through whom all things have been made, and for whom all things were made. The testimony to Christ is what changes the hearts and minds of men. All the other stuff is other stuff. And by the way, this idea about God choosing the poor is not new in your Bible. Let's rewind to top 10 favorite Bible verses. Backhanded compliments are the the theme of the day. Deuteronomy 7, Moses telling the Israelites, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. That's just not just a numerical thing. Why did God pick you, Israel? Because he promised. (laughs) <laughs> Was it because you were numerous? Was it because you were great? As a matter of fact, it's not that not only that you weren't numerous, but you were the smallest, you were the weakest, you were the least of the nations that God has chosen you. Moses standing up on the mountain going, God picked you because you're terrible. And by his promises and because of his grace, he has chosen you. This has been the message throughout. This is what Jesus is getting on about. Those who mourn will be comforted. Those who are poor in spirit. Those who weep. Those who mourn. Those who hunger. Those who thirst. Those who recognize that they have not received the good of this world. This, is, this was the early church. I mean, first, you really get down to it. I mean, there's always outliers in everything. But you really get down to the first couple centuries of the church in the Roman Empire time, and predominantly the church is dirt poor. And I don't mean like American poor. I mean like, like Calcutta poor. Like dirt streets and, you know, chasing bugs to eat. And I mean, poor, poor, poor. That was the majority of the church until it was legalized, and then we suddenly could, you know, put a little money aside and save up for nice cathedrals and stuff like that. That stuff doesn't exist in the early church because the gospel message found a home amongst the people who recognized that this world didn't love them. This is why Jesus said it was hard for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven because he thinks the world is what? You're rich. You have everything. The world is what? It's awesome. I want it. I go buy it. I need it. What do you mean I need it? I I don't get stuff I need. I get stuff that I want. This world is tremendous, it's, it's very hard to convince that person that they're not good and that they're not good at this world and that this world does not love them because it sure looks like what? So the gospel message found a home early on against a lot of people. And Paul brought that home. Go back to 1 Corinthians. Consider your calling that there were not many among you wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise that a lovely compliment? He chose me because I'm a fool. <laughs> Some of you are agreeing right now, and that's not nice. Okay, just saying. <laughs> ch- and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God wasn't by our wisdom or by our power or by our greatness. It was by his grace and mercy. Because where are we apart from Christ? We're all equally terrible. But in Christ, we're all equally redeemed. But you, verse 6, you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? In their world, James has probably got a really good point because a lot of times the way people got rich in that world was by, you know, not necessarily the most scrupulous means. Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? See, if everything about my life is about me, then by definition, how much of my life can be about Christ? The answer is none of it. If it's all about me, and everything's about me getting more money, and me getting more stuff, and me cheating you, and me swindling you, then what in my life is about Christ? You know this one, Christian, how much of your life is supposed to be about Christ. All of it. This is your 1 Corinthians 10.31, your Colossians 3.17. All things, not some, all things unto the glory of God. So let's continue. Verse 8. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. I agree. You know who else would agree. Jesus would agree. Luke 10, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Wrong question, dude. And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. (laughs) What's the problem? How you doing? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. As long as you do that, you got nothing to worry about. Sin will not get a foothold. Sin will not drag you down. You will cast aside all iniquity, and you will be just fine. How's that working out for you? Oh, all of a sudden, one of the little ficus trees was moving, and I didn't see the person who was moving it, and then I saw the person. Sorry. <laughs> it's like... Ah! <laughs> The trees have come to life in the back. They're coming for us. It's been a morning, I'm telling you. Yeah. Best part is my kid who's moving it. How is that working out for anybody? Because that's the lawyer's next question. Well, who's my neighbor? I mean, in other words, where's the loophole? It's a good lawyer right there, isn't it? When in doubt, there's always there's a loophole, there's a catch, there's a clause, there's some way that I can get out of being. The person that I'm supposed to be. So yeah, if you are fulfilling the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But, you knew it was coming. Verse 9. If you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Why? What is that a violation of? How is that a violation of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? See, this is why I joke with you about having favorite children. Because if your kids really thought for a second that you really liked one more than the other, or loved one more than the other, what would that do to the one who's in second place? Because they've recognized what? You don't really love me. Not like you love them, and if that's what your love really looks like, then what do I have? I have something else. Again, you can like one child more than the other, and depending on the day, that might change. But you love them, and there's a difference. That's where this violation comes in. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous, love does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek his own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't do that and play favorites. So if you show partiality, you're committing sin. You are convicted by the law as transgressors. By the way, quick aside, that's why God cares so much about justice and righteousness in this world. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Proverbs 11. Moses warned the Israelites in Deuteronomy 16. You shall appoint for yourself judges and officers in all your towns, which the Lord your God is giving you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not distort justice. You shall not be partial. You shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. Justice and only justice you shall pursue, that you may live and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you why because even then what was the standard love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself can i love my neighbor while cheating him <laughs> see that's a dumb question can i love my neighbor while taking a bribe or can i love my neighbor while taking a bribe to undo justice on his behalf no so when i show partiality i have not loved i have broken the standard you're like but it's just it's just a little thing keep going. Verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. Keep going. For he who said, do not commit adultery also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So you don't get to get pulled over for speeding and go, I signaled, You know, you were going 90 in a 45, but I signaled when I turned lanes. See, I, I changed lanes. I use my signal. I checked my mirrors. I did everything right. I check my mirrors every 13 seconds, just like the manual says. By the way, you ever paid attention to that? Your driver's ed book would have you like a nervous squirrel on crack driving if you actually did it right. You're seriously supposed to check your... I'm, go read them. At least this was my DMV little book when I took driver's ed. You're supposed to check your mirrors... Like, it's the side mirrors are every five to seven seconds, and your rear view mirror is every seven to 10 seconds. Just like, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. One. I mean, when do you look at the road? <laughs> These are the things I wonder about. Now, can you go 90 in a 45? And then when the guy pulls you over, hey, look, I signaled when I changed lanes. I check my mirrors like I'm supposed to. My tires are inflated to the proper PSI. You can't give me a ticket for that one. All my lights are working. I even changed the oil. See, look, I've done like 90% of the stuff that the DMV book told me I'm supposed to do. Therefore, I'm not guilty. <laughs> you know what you're leaving with, right? Yeah, ticket. <laughs> and probably more than that, because he's going to be like, there's got to be something else I can get this guy for. He's that obnoxious. <laughs> Not that a police officer would ever do such a thing. (laughs) Now, why does this matter? Because what's God's standard? What are we seeking? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, God cannot look upon sin. God does not tolerate unrighteousness in his presence, which means if I'm going to inherit eternal life based on the things that I do, then the things that I do must be perfect. They must be perfect. And any violation of that perfect means I'm not perfect. Perfect, which is why I can tell you, you're all terrible. And everyone you have ever met is terrible, because there is nobody who is keeping the standard. There is too much sin and iniquity at work in the hearts and minds of humanity. But, as many as are the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. So again, James not teaching in a vacuum. So, continue. Verse 12. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. In other words, time out. Christian, if apart from Christ all are equally terrible, but in Christ all are equally redeemed and justified, then what are you? Redeemed and justified, which means you are what? Come on. You're, you're, you're perfect. You're good. You are good. You are good. You are terrible, but you are good. <laughs> Remember, this is, this is our, our, our love. You have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. You have been declared righteous. You have been declared not guilty before the throne of God. You are working that salvation out with fear and trembling, knowing that one day that as you continue to strive and as you are faithful to trust and as you walk, you will what? You will get declared in actuality, what has been decreed on your behalf. This is where you walk in what you do. So speak, so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. See, you don't stand before God and get the rundown of everything that you should be thrown into hell for. You get to stand before God in Christ and present your deeds offered unto Christ as an offering acceptable to God because of Christ, it's a big difference. You're not walking up going, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. You go, look, look, look what I have done for you. Why have you done that? Because Christ has changed who you are. This is what we mean when I say, tell them to get off your lawn unto the glory of God, because it is offered as an offering unto God. And if you look at God and go, I probably don't want to bring this one to you. You know what you just found? You just found the next thing you get to repent of. And you've heard me tell you, enjoy that fight. Because how long are you going to fight it? Until Jesus comes back or God calls you home. You're going to fight that fight. So enjoy rooting out sin and rejoice when you find it. Because you know what you get to do? Hey, I know where the next battle is. I know the next thing we get to defeat. And I know the next thing that we are overcoming. What James is saying is live like Christians because you are Christians. This isn't supposed to be a burden. This is never supposed to be a burden. This is supposed to be a time of rejoicing and celebration as to who God is and what God has done. This is Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's the law of liberty. These things work together. Let's go back to that section that everybody knows that Jesus was talking about. Because this is a build-out. Do not judge so that you will, be not, so you will not be judged, but by the same standard you judge, others will be judged against you. You know what the practical application of that is? Because Jesus tells you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? See, See, you can't judge me because you're just as bad as I am. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own? You hypocrite! Everybody wants to stop right there. First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In other words, hey, you know that's a problem. That is a problem. Let's fix this, and then we're going to fix that, because we're not forgetting about that thing over there just because there's this thing over here. In other words, how much sin are we killing? All of it. My sin, your sin, their sin, everybody's sin. Why? Because in Christ, what do we desire? Christ. Righteousness. We have been changed. We have been redeemed. We want the joy of his work. We want the security that our sin is being dealt with. In other words, we want to live like Christians because we have been changed. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Why would you show no mercy? I'm serious. See, again, James makes no sense if you forget the gospel. It sounds like a series of warnings and beatings. It's a series of encouragements to people who are in Christ. Judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. See, Christian, why can you look at the person who has nothing and not say they're nowhere near as good as the person who has everything? I mean, that's James's example. You see the rich man and the poor man come in the back, and we don't esteem them any differently. We give you the same share. We put the same offering plate in front of you. You hear the same music, you get the same sermon. It's not like I give you an earpiece, and there's the good sermon for the people that put money in the plate, and there's not a bad, there's the bad one for the people that didn't. You all get the same equally bad sermon every Sunday. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Why do we do that? Because it's not about you, it's about. God, I don't make that judgment because it's not my place. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care what your house looks like. I, I might care how your children behave just a little bit. You know, if they start destroying the place, I might care about that. But, you know, I, I turned Clark loose on you for that one. <laughs> Clark's, Clark's our bulldog for that, and he does a good job of it. And we need that. We need all of that. Why not? Because I can trust God to work those details out. Because I care who you are in Christ. Because if those things are sin problems, you know who's going to deal with them? He is. He's going to bring them to your remembrance. He's going to bring them to your mind. And when it's time to deal with them, where will we be? We'll be right here, ready to tackle them. I don't have to worry about judgment being merciless. Because I don't have to worry about having no mercy myself. Because I recognize who I am and why I am that way. It's 1 John 4. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. In other words, I can trust God to work things out because he has worked things out in my mind. He has worked things out in my heart and in my walk. I don't have to make that judgment. I don't have to be afraid because I am changed. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Even in that warning that judgment will be merciless, what's the encouragement, Christian? Repent. Trust in God. Turn from your sins. Trust in his completed work. And salvation will be applied to you. This is what Christ has promised. That as we are his, he walks with us. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because we can't be separated, we can trust and lean into Him. We don't have to go alone. We don't have to, you know, we're going to dig our heels in and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accomplish this. You know what you're going to do when you do that? Fail every single time. If you read James like that and you say, I'm going to be better at this, you'll fail. I'm going to look at the world and I'm going to stop making these judgments on people. No, you're not. I'm serious, you're not. I'm going to look at the world and see it as a mission field. Now you got a chance. I'm going to look at the world and understand that broken people do broken things. Now you have a chance. I'm going to look at the world and realize that their cure is the same that was my cure. It is the message of Christ. And my walking out is a testimony to who God is and what he has accomplished. Now you have a chance. In other words, what changes your ability to make judgments and not be a hypocrite is being consistent in who you are and remembering why you're there. And you'll continue that walk. And again, this is why I tell you to enjoy the war. Not the one that's on your TV screen. But the one that's in your own heart and mind, because you're going to fight it every single day. And the temptation we have so often is, why me? Why this? I can't overcome that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Again, I was it. Oh shoot, my days run together. It was Wednesday. We got to talking about church history again. My uh, second favorite church history story is Latimer and Ridley. That was Wednesday, right? That was Wednesday. See, somebody's got to remember these things. Um, Nicholas Ridley and Hugh Latimer, uh, two English bishops who are being burned at the stake by Bloody Mary, and they're walking there, and the, the congregations have assembled on the, on the streets because they were really quite beloved men, and the, the courage begins to fail. Play the man, Master Ridley, for I trust this day we will light such a candle that shall not be extinguished in all of England. Where are they going again? They're going to be burned at the stake, and this dude's making candle jokes. That is a level of faith that I haven't got right this second. And you know what? Before Latimer said it, it was a level of faith he didn't have either. You know when he had it? When he needed it. You know when you have it? When you need it. I can't overcome this. Are you in Christ? Well, yes. Are you trusting in him? Yes. Is he going to see you through? Yes, then you're going to overcome it. Keep a long view. Keep your eyes seated on the prize. Do not get caught up in your feelings, in your world, and in what's going on in this place, but keep your vision focused firmly on Christ. Then you can rejoice like Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have loved is appearing. See, how do you know you get there? You don't get there by saying, I am going to walk faithfully for the next blank years. You, you, you can't. You can't do that in 30 years. You can't do that 40 years from now. You can't do that 20 minutes from now. When can you be faithful? Now. And if I'm faithful now, and I trust now, and I evaluate by the right standard now, and I remember the gospel now, then when am I going to forget it? I won't, because when is it not now? We never get there. This is those fun parts of language. Why do you never get there? No, because when you get there, there is here. <laughs> it's never tomorrow, because it's always now. This is what it means to be a finite creature in a finite world, ruled by the clock, that we changed for no good reason. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not bitter or anything. Not bitter or anything at all. Uh, You and me both. (laughs) But it's now. So I worry about my gospel walk now. I worry about my response to things now. I worry about my faithfulness now. And by doing that, I keep my eyes fixed upon Christ, knowing that he will not forsake me, knowing that he will not forget me, knowing that he will not abandon me. And then I wake up X number of years from now, and what can I say? I'm faithful. I have kept the fight. Why? Because He hasn't forgotten me. Because He's carried me through, and His grace was sufficient in all of these things. And we have made it to the end. That's the goal. You only get there not by focusing on the, the nuts and bolts. You get there by remembering the nuts and bolts are changed by who you are on the inside, and that is redeemed in Christ. Once again, I don't care what you do, I care why you do it. Look at the world through the lens of who God is and recognize that those people, while they are different in the world's eyes, are the same in God's. Either equally bad or equally good. And if there's a distinction to be made, it is between the good and the bad. And what's the difference? It's not me, and it's not them. It's Christ which means I carry his message by walking in his truth and ensuring that my walk, my discipleship is good, my command is followed, and that what God has given me to do, I have faithfully carried out. I have disciplined myself. I have strengthened my family. I have engaged in the gifts that the Spirit has given me so that all things are an offering unto him so that I don't worry because that's what he's called me to, and that's how I walk, and that's how I avoid hypocrisy, and that's how I avoid making the distinctions, because I trust in him and him alone. Let's pray.